0: We're told in Hebrews 11, verse 7, that he was moved by fear. Now, some people say that's not the kind of evangelism we should endeavor, to move men by fear. Well, Noah preached righteousness. He warned of the judgment. And he had a greater fear of God than he had the fear of men. Now, should we not apply the same? to the reality that the Lord is returning, and that this world is going to be burned up by fire, and that judgment will come as the Lord appears. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gollerher, and today we're going right to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're dealing with the ungodly who will, through their bad practice, their bad science, their bad behavior, their bad belief, have denied the very gospel and run on the way of wickedness, and they shall be judged. Let me read to you here from Second Peter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds, by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, And the earth, standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store and reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day." here is the message of God's Word. This world is going to be destroyed by fire. That's the future of this earth and everything therein. All things, all creatures, all people are going to be consumed by that fire. There will be nothing remaining. And then God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, we read of that here in the 13th verse nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and this is the message that we have today that the doctrine of the second coming of the lord jesus leads to purity and the people who are living in high expectation of the savior's return will live differently. We will live in hope, we will live in faith, and we will live in the realization that this world is not the norm. It's a place of sin and wickedness, but the Lord is leading us out, and one day is going to bring us home to glory. We want you to be living for glory. We want you to be living for eternity, and I trust today that this message will be a, a one that will really lead you to personal faith in the Lord. Thank you for joining with us here at Let the Bible Speak. 2 Peter 3, and we're coming to uh, this passage, really the passage more than a particular verse, but there is one statement uh, which is a question in verse 4, where is the promise of His coming? Now, should the doctrine of the Lord's return be preached to unbelieving as a means of conversion. Should we use this for evangelism? Some people say that this is just scare tactics. To tell a man that the Lord is coming again, you better be ready. Many say that's a very negative way of preaching the gospel. Well, let me answer this question with a question. Should Noah? have preached the word of warning that the global flood was coming and warned the people of his day. We're told in Hebrews 11 verse 7 that he was moved by fear. Now, some people say that's not the kind of evangelism we should endeavor, to move men by fear. Well, Noah preached righteousness. He warned of the judgment. And he had a greater fear of God than he had the fear of men. Now, should we not apply the same to the reality that the Lord is returning and that this world is going to be burned up by fire and that judgment will come as the Lord appears? I think that if there was a building in our neighborhood wherein people were in danger, we would certainly shout fire. And we would not hesitate to give the word of warning. It's time to flee out of the building because there's a fire that is already begun to rage. The other important issue, of course, is did the Lord Jesus and the apostles of the New Testament firmly believe that this world was one day going to be burned up by fire at the coming again of the Lord Jesus? We have to ask, is this apostolic doctrine? Well, let's look at verse 1 and 2 of this chapter that we've read together. You'll notice that Peter is writing to these readers, and he's saying to them, Beloved, they are people that he loves. I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And he wants them never to forget. He wants them to attend to these truths, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. And this is apostolic doctrine. The apostles were united on this. They were quoting the teaching of the Lord and Savior. And so this is without doubt biblical New Testament doctrine. The Lord is really coming. And at that coming, there will be judgment upon this wicked world. Now, this is Peter's defense of this doctrine. And as a pastor to these Christians, he would remind them of the global dissolution of this earth When the whole cosmos will be burned up by fire. Now, Peter deals with the deniers of this doctrine. And he says in verse 3 that in the last days, scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? And let's face it tonight, this doctrine of the second coming with judgment is hated by carnal men, worldly men, ungodly men. They do not want to hear the message of judgment at the coming again of the Lord Jesus. Why is this? Well, as we look at these verses tonight, we're going to see that they are men of a bad attitude. And in the verse 3, you'll see how Peter describes them as scoffers. Now, you'll notice that scoffers have an attitude problem. They have no faith. They do not believe the truth, and they mock. They try to make it into a joke. But it's not just cynicism. It's not just an empty mockery. These are false teachers. These are not just people who smirk and smear at the things of God, but rather they use every bit of their imagination and they use argument with every scrap of twisted reasoning to hurl their venom at the doctrine of Christ coming as judge. And so there is no such thing as a neutral sinner. There's no such thing as a man in Cloverdale who doesn't care. If you go to his door and you tell him this world is going to be burned up by fire, he will care. He will either respond or he'll drive you away because the world doesn't want to hear this message. And thus, they actively crusade against this truth. And that's what happens in many Bible schools. That's what happens in many places of so-called Christian learning and churches. And they oppose the supernatural events of the Bible. Now, note that this was going to happen in the last days, in the last days. Now, one of our subjects in the weeks to come is on that very topic are we in the last days? And what exactly does the Bible mean by the last days? Now, you'll notice that Peter here was reading or writing to specific readers. Uh, They were people in the first century, and he warns them about scoffers in the last days. So, we're going to take a special look at that in weeks to come. And we're going to ask, are we in the last days? Are these the days that are very, very near the Lord's return? Or does the Bible really mean that the last days are from the first century of Christianity right to the end of time? And it's going to be important that we answer that question. And I think we've got a big part of that information already here in this passage. It will happen in the last days. There were in the first century a group of people called Gnostics. Uh, They were people who said, we know. Gnostics is the Greek word for know. Today we talk about agnostics. These are people who don't know, or they claim they don't want to know. The Gnostics said, we know. And they had their own heresies and their own notions. But they did not want to hear that the Lord Jesus was coming bodily. And they denied, they scoffed, and they mocked the message of the gospel. And so we ought not to be surprised that in our day and generation, there are mockers and scoffers who have this bad attitude. So they are men of a bad attitude. Therefore, they deny the coming of the Lord. They are also men of bad practice, because it says in verse 3 that they walk after their own lusts. Now, the word lust really means something that is forbidden to us. When we, the children, when the children of Israel lusted after the things of Egypt, they were leeks and onions and all those things. They lusted after those things, but that was Egypt. They were now in the desert, and God had given them manna and quail, but they lusted after The things of Egypt. And Egypt represents the world. And these men, out of their ungodly lusts, after their own lusts, we're told here, and they question the coming again of the Lord Jesus because they want to live as they like. They want their liberty to go on to sin in their own particular way. And this is what happens because belief gives birth to practice. And as we think, so are we. As we understand the truth, then we will live accordingly. Now if you look at verse 14, you'll notice the apostle, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. So after he convinces his readers, that the Lord is coming, then they ought to live holy. They ought to live according to his word, without spot and blameless. But if you don't believe, and if you deny, if you say the Lord is not coming, then you're going to want to live your own way and follow your own lusts to live Loosely. Now, this is how Canada and other nations have fallen into moral ruin. The morals of this country have declined to a very grave situation. The statistics on marriage today of people who live common law, who just shack up together without any interest in the institution of marriage, Canada really is a shame among nations today. Never mention perverted lifestyles. We're living in a society that has lost its moral compass because people want to follow their own lusts. And if you tell a person who's living in sin, the Lord is coming, he won't want to hear it because it means judgment. It means that he's living wrongly and will be judged for his sin.
1: In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Shout the victory. E Amém. streets of gold.
0: Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak, as today we deal with these men of bad science, bad practice, bad doctrine, and of course their behavior is the fruit of what they believe. When we have the Bible in hand and the Bible in heart, it changes our lives. It turns us away from the wicked to the righteous to seek the Lord and to follow His ways. The end times, those days which are close to the return of the Lord, will be marked by awful ungodliness and immorality. There will be a rejection of truth and righteousness. And those things do go hand in hand. The vast, rapid descent of Canadians into immorality today is a result of the rejection of the gospel. And as fewer and fewer people go to a Bible-believing church, and fewer and fewer people even know about the message of the gospel and God's Word, then there are more and more that live openly in wicked sin. This will be judged, and we're going to learn here again in Second Peter 3, that God will judge the wicked. So I trust you'll stay tuned with us for this second half of the program, and that the Lord will minister to your heart as we open the Scriptures together. Now, their bad practice, as we see, comes from their bad belief. They say the Lord is not coming, therefore they want to live according to their own lusts. They follow reason and not revelation. They throw out the Bible, and they follow their own brains. That's what the wicked do. That's what these scoffers do. They're men of a bad attitude, and they're followed by bad practice. And while there are hypocrites who carry a Bible, yet the Bible is the moral force of any people. And a nation where the general population are Bible readers, not necessarily all converted and all born again, but where you have a people who are Bible readers, there will be the fear of God to a great extent. And that's how we need to pray for this nation, that God may turn men from their wicked practice. Then as we move to verse 4, you'll notice that they are men of bad science. They are saying, where is the promise of his coming? And then the reason they give, for, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation." That means they're saying that there's been no change in the world from the beginning until now. There has never been an event of global catastrophe or where God visited in such judgment. How can you expect us to believe because everything has continued from the beginning until now without interruption? Well, that's not true. This is bad science. And that's what evolutionists say, of course. Evolutionists say that you can date the time of this world by what you observe today. They say the key to the past is the present. And when you measure the formation of dust and carbon and other uh, ways of, of, of measuring, that if you observe what is taking place in the present... You can determine what happened in the past, because they say everything continues uniformly. And that doctrine is called uniformitarianism. Evolutionists follow that, and it is bad science. Everything's continuing as it was. Is it? Does everything in your home continue on and on and on without any change? You go to any home in Greater Vancouver that's over 100 years old, what does it need? Repairs, renovation. You take any machine that is made, when it runs it, uh, its cycle, what happens? It wears out. It wears out. That's called the law of entropy. Everything is on the downgrade. There is nothing in this world getting better. Nothing not even human bodies. Every one of us are subject to death and decay. That's true of the very world in which we live. The energy supplies, the global warming people are are worried that this world is going to destroy itself. If we keep pumping carbon into the air, if we keep cutting down trees, and if we keep tampering with the environment, this world's in trouble. So it's not getting better, even according to the environmentalists who believe in global warming. Their science tells us, they tell us, the deserts are expanding. The glacial uh, areas in the North and South Poles are diminishing. The seas are rising. Things are not staying as they were. If you accept all the evidence that they give out. And there are any number of credible scientists in the world today who do not believe uniformitarianism, everything continues as it was. Now, there are a number of factors in this world where God has already visited in judgment. First, the fall. God created man upright, but through sin he is fallen. The curse. This world was meant to be a place of joy, not tears. It was to meant to be a place of health, not sickness. It was to meant to be a place of life, not death. But at the fall through sin, death came into the world and all vegetation, all human, all animal life dies. So that's the fall. What else has been a contributor to destroy this world's uniformity? Noah's flood. And Peter deals with this flood right here. And you'll notice what they were saying here. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. This is bad science. This is bad hypothesis. They are willingly ignorant of it. In other words, they turn a blind eye. They choose not to accept this information that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished." These bad scientists don't accept that this world has already been judged in a global catastrophe because it says here, "...being overflowed with water perished," the world that then was. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto something." And this is the reason they don't want to accept the information of a global flood, because if you believe in a global flood, it's going to lead to the global dissolution of this earth by fire. One gives ground for the other, and the evolutionists, the bad science of today, deny that this world has already been visited in global catastrophic judgment because they want to deny that this world will not be destroyed by fire. Those who do realize the accuracy of Noah's flood and the account that is given in the book of Genesis, that it was a global flood that has left the deposits of fossils all around the world where this whole world was judged and only eight people survived through the ark. Those who see that and accept that as right and good information will also see the need to warn men today that God keeps his promise, the promise of his coming. Those who follow bad science, they say God will not keep his promise. Those who accept the science of geology, that this world is the product of judgment, a global flood, we listen to God in His Word, and just as He destroyed the world in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. That is the message of the Gospel. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry, and you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister in Port Hope. Where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister in Berry, where Reverend Anthony Dederno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one to one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.